That was one of them. I apologize. Conquering the Giants is our series we've been working through. And uh, today I want us to look at another big giant, the giant of failure. One of our key verses for our study is Romans 8.31. There on your outline is the first verse listed for you. Uh, it's a relatively short verse, and I want us to read it out loud together. Oh, I'm sorry, I jumped way ahead of myself. Um, Sam, back up to those pictures of the camp, would you? All right. This is the new dining hall. That's the interior of the dining hall. And there's another shot of the dining hall. Right through those windows will be that porch you were looking at. So it's coming along quite, quite nicely. And uh, you're, they have over $60,000 pledged to the 175 that they're trying to raise. Ours is actual money in hand. Amen? I think he just got pledges from the others. I told him, I said, let us be the benchmark for you, Brother Eric. <laughs> but nevertheless. Romans 8.31, great verse. And uh, let's read it out together. Maybe nudge your partner, punch them, or wake them up, make sure they're with us. Ready? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Very good. Let's do it again. If God is for us, who can ever? So when we're looking at this giant that everyone has, that each of us has, we face, at some point in our life, we're going to face it. And sometimes, multiple times, we're going to face it. If you aren't prepared for that giant of failure, it's going to take you down. So we want you to be prepared. We want you to have the tools in hand so when failure comes, you're able to respond from it. Uh, and that's really what's so dangerous about the giant of failure. It's going to come into our lives, but is it going to keep you down and out? Or are you going to stand up and rise up and be what you need to be? Because you see, failure can bring discouragement, despair, depression, doubt, disillusionment. I see it over and over in our church. We can't stop failure from coming. But with God's help, we can grow through the failure. It's in God's eyes that failure is not fi uh, final. It's not fatal. Failure can be a new starting point in your life. How many of you believe that? Amen? Okay. Everybody awake? How many of you believe that? Amen? Amen. Here we go. I know you're reading through your electronic device. Never mind. Failure can be that new starting point. And today, if you've been dealing with failure, it may go back 15, 20 years. Maybe in a relational failure, personal failure, financial failure. One that goes back a while. Or maybe it's something that you're dealing with right now. I believe that you're going to walk away today. If this is talking about you, I think you're going to walk away today with a lot of hope. And I'm going to hope that my knee holds out. I like standing up instead of sitting down. But to deal with failure, I thought maybe we would talk some about notable failures. I put some famous failures up here for us. This leader started out in the military in the first war he was in. He lost, and not only lost, he lost the entire fort underneath his leadership. In the next war, he lost twice as many battles as he won, but then he, then he turned it around, and he went on to great success. Who would that be? George Washington. Very good over here. All right, second one. This leader was a failure as a businessman. He was fired and had another business fail after that. 
Then he ran for office six times and lost until he, was eventually, until he eventually won and was elected for the first time. Today he's considered one of the greatest presidents who have ever lived. Abraham Lincoln. Boy, you guys are sharp. Before he got into politics, this leader started as a bank clerk and a bookkeeper before he stepped out and started his own business, which was a hardware store, which he failed at and went, and went bankrupt, but the buck stops with him. Harry S. Truman, there you go, Brother Don knows his history. This leader was very charismatic, very well liked as a politician, got off to a great start, but an embarrassing moral failure became public. He really got into trouble because he tried to cover it up. He almost lost his job, but then he rebounded in the end, was able to come back. Bill Clinton. Anybody else? Go ahead, Sam. King David. I mean, hey, we've been in a series conquering the giants out of the life of David. Come on. Now, come on. So, yeah, I don't think some of you have been paying attention here the last few weeks. But I want you to look in your notes at some of David's failures. I've got them listed there for you. The Bible says that David was Israel's greatest king. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. He wanted to please God in everything he did, but David also was a man of grand failure. In your notes, I've just listed a few of those in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, where David committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then he murdered her husband Uriah. Uh, then that led to a, all kinds of family drama in 2 Samuel chapters 13 and 14. And uh, we'll get into that just a little bit here with Amnon and Tamar and Absalom. And his son even tried to kill him in those chapters. Then there was his son's rebellion in 2 Samuel chapter 15 through 18, uh, what many have called Absalom's rebellion. It was dar David's darkest hour as his son tried to take over the kingdom. David is found retreating out of Israel. And if you read these chapters, you'll find out that uh, now David is an adulterer, a murderer, and a failed parent. One child was raped, one was murdered, and another was trying to kill him. He was a failed king, and here at the end of chapter 18, he walks out of Jerusalem in utter disgrace. And then to show that he walks out in utter disgrace, he's barefoot, which in that day and age was a sign, the ultimate sign of failure. All that's bad. But in fact, no matter what failure you face, and I doubt you've ever faced that trifecta of failures, murder, family injury, and your own uh, siblings or your own children trying to kill you. I suppose that you haven't experienced your children raping each other and all of that. But David faced the major failures, but whatever failure you face, we need to understand that failure hurts, doesn't it? Many of us have been in some pretty painful situations when it comes to failure. Some of you are dealing right now with the pain that comes from the shambles of a failed marriage. Failure hurts. Some of you are facing the reality that the business you started isn't going as planned. Maybe you've just recently lost a job and with that, your identity, failure hurts. Some of you are failing in school and you feel like, hey, I can't turn it around. Failure hurts. Maybe a relationship that you're in right now isn't going as planned and you, you see an end in sight. Failure hurts. Maybe when it comes to your kids, they're not turning out exactly like you expected. Maybe when you look in the mirror, your weight isn't exactly what you want or your health isn't exactly where you want to be. Failure hurts. Maybe some of you are here today and you feel like you're failing in your relationship with God and you're wondering, 
Can I get back on track? Can I start over? Have I committed the unpardonable sin? Is it too late? Failure hurts. But the truth is, we all struggle with failure at one time or another. But here's some great news. Here's some good news. Failure is temporary. Failure is temporary. Think about those famous failures that we just looked at. Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Harry Truman. All of those major failures. But even our story, King David, major failure. But it was just temporary. Because God said, you can begin again. So here's the big question for us today. When you fail and you're going to, and you're going to do that, the question is, will you give up or will you grow up? Will you give up or grow up? Will you give up on that relationship with God? Will you give up on your relationship with other Christians? Or will you grow up in your relationship with God and grow through the failures with your fellow Christians? Like I said today, we have seen and witnessed a healing in our church. I love my brother. And I'm glad that he loved me. And I'm grateful that we can embrace each other and that we'll keep, live, we'll keep loving each other. Now, I may not agree with him. He may not agree with me. But biscuits and gravy is going to taste good as we sit around the table. Because I'll tell you what, there's nothing better than two brothers, two sisters in Christ working through whatever it is that's, that's troubling us. That's the God stuff. And we need to praise Him for that. 2 Samuel chapters 11 through 15. I encourage you to read that later. Uh, and you're eventually going to get down to 2 Samuel 22 if you're reading in 2 Samuel. And now we begin to see in these passages how David turns this thing around. So pick it up at, at 2 Samuel chapter 22. It's there in your notes. It starts out, I, David, sing the songs to the Lord. The Lord rescued him from all his enemies. Now, you want to write out beside the word enemies, write the word failures. Write the word failures. The Lord rescued him from all his failures. Let's keep going. He's saying, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield and power that saves me in my place of safety. He's my refuge, my savior, the one who saves me from violence. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise and he saved me from my failures, my enemies. Now, how did that happen? Well, turn over in your notes and let's look at and learn some things from the life of David. How we can overcome the giant of failure. You can't keep the giant of failure from coming because we live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world and we never play, downplay that here at River Oaks. We never do. We live in a sinful world. We live in a fallen world and you're going to struggle. <laughs> you will. And people like me who are leading you spiritually... Make mistakes. I'm the first to raise my hand. Say things I shouldn't say. Any of you have struggled with that affliction? I go places I'm not supposed to go. Any of you find your feet taking you where you're not supposed to go? It's not you, it's your feet. It's the feet are the problem. Amen? I've, I've chastised my feet I don't know how many times for taking me someplace I wasn't supposed to go. How many of you have a bad mouth? Every time your hand raises up with food on it, your mouth falls completely open. <laughs> I watched my grandson. I fed my grandson yesterday. I'm telling you, that's a hungry jack. 
He knows when it's food time. I watched his mom get out a bottle, of, uh, a jar of food, and he's over there going, <laughs> he's going into hyper, hyperventilation. Legs are kicking, arms are going, I don't, know, I, don't know. He's I don't know what he's saying. But man, that mouth's open. He's ready to be fed like a hungry bird. And boy, he, take, he took it all in. I tried to get him to slow down. I said, Braden, don't eat so much. And he just looked at me. And every time I'd get the, get the spoon ready and I'd put it, I, I wouldn't even get close to his mouth. <laughs> and it's the saddest thing because he's being afflicted like I've been afflicted. <laughs> First steps in your note, David, drawing from the life of David, number one, deal with the emotions of my failure. Deal with the emotions of my failure. No matter how strong you are, how mature you are, whenever you fail at something, it hurts. You may never tell anybody, but it hurts inside. Those are emotions that are real, and they're natural. I mean, after all, you're human. You're a person. You're not a robot. When relationships fail, it hurts. Not just because you wonder if the right person or if I'm the right one or if I'm in this right relationship. It just flat hurts. And when you fail in a career, it hurts. What I've noticed, the closer your identity is to the thing you fail at is the more that it hurts. And for men, that's a big deal. Women, I'm probably sure they are too, but men really identify with the career that they've chosen, and when it fails, they fail. There's a sense of failure within them that's sometimes hard to overcome. And it is with relationships. Relationship pain really hurts because when you're in a relationship, you put all yourself into it, and when that relationship ends, so does a part of you. It hurts. It hurts. A friend of mine in college, his girlfriend broke up with him, Kenny Reed. He wrote a song. All I remember is, you stomped on my heart. You smushed that sucker flat. You done sort of jumped on my aorta. That's all, I, that's all I remember of the song. But that's enough for a guy to get a beer and cry all day. Huh? Amen. <laughs> uh, sweet tea and cry all day. That's right. That'd be a better, that's, that's where I'd go. I'd get some sweet tea and cry all day. But you got to face those hurts. Got to confront him. Now look at David's emotions when he was in the midst of failure. Psalm 3. It's a psalm of David when David is fleeing from his son Absalom who's trying to kill him. He says, Oh Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying God will never rescue him. You ever been to that point? You ever felt like that? You ever gotten to that point where you didn't think there was any hope at all? Those feelings are a natural consequence of failure. In fact... If you look at your notes, psychologists have discovered that when you go through failure, here's how it works. First, you feel shock. I, I can't believe this happened. Can't believe we lost. I can't believe I failed. I ran into a guy in St. Louis, Missouri. I was coming back from my pastor's conference in, in uh, Orlando, and I had the layover in St. Louis to come into Tulsa. And I'm walking through with my Jinx T-shirt on. You know, I figured I'm not going to see anybody in St. Louis, Missouri who knows Jinx. And some guy comes up, and he goes, and he's in his suit and all that, and he goes, oh, Jinx, huh? I just went, yes, sir. He said, well, I'm from Norman. I said, north. He said, right. I said, it was our year, brother. What can I say? <laughs> I mean, I could have said a lot of things, but you know, I didn't. I said, sorry, sir, year, man. And I left. Went down to the other end of the terminal to eat. You know, I was afraid to sit by him. <laughs> hey. Hurt happens, you know what? Get over it. If you're going to 
show up to play, play. <laughs> but we blame other people sometimes when we get hurt and we don't want to take responsibility and I hope nobody finds out. We might say, how am I going to be able to face the people I love more and that care about me? And then if we're not careful, it slips into despair. And the Bible has some words for how we should deal with it in Philippians chapter 3. Uh, Paul says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it yet. And then he goes on and says, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the what? Past and looking where? To what lies ahead. Forget the past and look forward. Forget it. Let it go. You blew it. Okay? It's gone. Let it go. This guy from Norman North, he needs to let it go. Because he may end up playing us again. And the same result's going to happen because they can't let it go. Union High School thought they were going to win. They were just going to show up and win because that's what they've done for the last three years. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. And whatever it is that's got you stuck, let it go. Don't become paralyzed by failure. Don't become paralyzed by those relationships, paralyzed by that connection with God or lack of. Don't let whatever it is, that failure, paralyze you in life. And we all know people like this. Let me give you two biblical keys on how to deal with it. It's not in your notes. You just have to write them down. Number one, you need to have encouraging people around you to pull you up. You need encouraging people around you to pull you up. I think one of the saddest parts is to watch people, when they get a, a hurt in their life, will abandon church. And the church is who you need the most in those times of struggle. Amen? You need the church more than ever. Now, you may need to make some adjustments in your relationships at church, but whatever it is, you need, you need to have church in your life. And that's the first thing people need to do when they have painful feelings in their, in their life, is don't rebel from the church. And then the, the second one is, go to God with your failures. I've told you the story of the chapel of Bourbon Street. And the guy came out of the bar and he fell on the, stumbled out on the sidewalk. He looked up and saw Bob Harrington and he said, Oh, Brother Bob, would you pray for me? He said, Well, I can't do much else for you at this point. So he nailed down to pray. He said, Lord, would you help this drunk? Oh, Bob, don't tell him I'm drunk. <laughs> like God wouldn't, wouldn't understand, wouldn't remember, wouldn't know what the guy's going through. He sees it all, Amen. So you can't hide it from him, so quit trying to. But don't be afraid to go to God and say, God, I'm stuck. God, I'm afraid. God, I'm angry. Sometimes when we're even angry at God. But God can handle that. He says, go to him. and Bring those failures. And here's what God says he'll do. He says, I'll pull you up. I'll help you. And here's why. Because he understands what we're going through. You know, when we started this series on Easter... Easter Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the things that I said to you on Easter is that the same power that brought Jesus from the grave is the same power that's available to you and me to help us through our toughest giants. Same power. And so he understands. He knows. He knows the giants we face in our life. But let me remind you that Jesus, who came back from the dead, also experienced all of life that we experience. Jesus was human, just as we're human. And in Hebrews 4, Jesus is described this way. So then, since we have a great high priest, now he's talking about Jesus here, who has entered into the heaven, 
And I mean, that's what he did after the resurrection. Then, then look what it says. Therefore, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest that is Jesus Christ of ours understands our weaknesses. Would you underline that? Understands our weaknesses. And then it goes on. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did, would not, he did not sin. Some let us come boldly to the... Uh, so let us come boldly to uh, the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and will find grace to help when it is needed the most. That's a powerful promise. Powerful promise. And we've got to deal with these emotions. And across uh, the outline there, page uh, on, on the next page, number two, draw close to God in the midst of my failure. And when you draw close to God, God will pull you up. God loves to pull us to our feet when we fall flat on our face. Braden has learned to walk. He's learned to pull himself up on stuff. And so we're trying to get him to understand his legs need to move behind his pull-up. So I'll hold him by the hands. I'll say, okay, move those legs. And, you know, and, you, and it's funny how we kind of help him, right? We're trying to help him move his leg. He doesn't know yet. His brain hadn't got to his leg that said move. He's got the pulling up part going pretty good. He's a pretty strong little dude. I'm learning to plank at my uh, exercise class. You know what that is? That's when you, that's when you get your body straight out on your, on your, like this. And then we do one called Superman where we lay down on the floor and we bow back like a, like a, like a bow like this. It's really ugly when I do it. <laughs> but Braden's sitting down there just, hur, hur, just that little dude. I want to just step on him. I said, what are you doing? I don't, I don't know how he still does that. But I, I'm trying to learn how. But God is there to help us. That's my point. God is there to help us. And he doesn't desert us when we fall down. He never leaves us. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. In fact, God wants you, he wants to use your failure. He wants to use that time to draw you close to him. Would you let him do that? Let him do that in the midst of what failure you may experience. Let him draw you close to him. You may, have, you may have sinned and brought failure upon yourself, but whatever it is, I, I can tell you that God can take the failure and can turn it around. He can turn it around in you. Sometimes we only learn during our pain. That seems to be my lot in life. I tend to run into the wall more than I should. People try to tell me to stay away from the wall, but I run into the wall anyway. One day I'm going to listen. One day I'm going to hear it. But in the midst of my running into the wall, God still loves me. Two possible responses when it comes to failure. You can either push away from God or you can pull up toward God and let God draw you close to Him. You can either push away or you can pull up toward God and let God draw you closer to Him. David experienced that. Psalm 51 in verse 10. He's being confronted by the prophet Nathan about his uh, adultery of Bathsheba. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Make me a willing servant to obey you. You see, we have the same choice as David. When we fail at something, we can let it defeat us or keep us from God, from experiencing God and all that He has for us, or we can let it draw us closer to Him. And I know people who have had failures years ago and they're still hanging on to those failures. But you see, your failure shouldn't separate you from God, nor should it separate you from your church. God wants to use it to draw you closer to God. Is there anything that happened in your life, a failure maybe that's preventing you from drawing close to God? 
Maybe a relationship that's ended. Maybe a job that's been lost. Maybe you had a moral failure or some reoccurring sin and you've, you've let it push you away from God, the God who loves you. Well, my challenge is for you to lean into God today and to learn these lessons from David. Don't run away from God, but instead let failure cause you to rely on God's power more than ever before. Memory verse there in your outline, Deuteronomy 31. We read it earlier. Let's read it together again. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Would you underline or circle the word personally? He will personally do that for you. Is that not awesome? That he loves you enough to want to personally get involved in your life to help you through these times. And even if you've been running from God, turn to him today. Say, God, I'm here. And like David, God, make me willing to obey you from this point forward. And then there's number three, determine the cause of my failure and then learn from it. And every time you fail at something, you've got two choices when you fail. Either push the panic button or push the pause button. And number three is determine the cause of my failure and learn from it. And two choices I make, either I push the panic button or I push the pause button. And really the choice is up to us. The choice is in our hands. Now sometimes it's okay to panic for a minute. It's really okay. I mean, you get surprised, you're caught off guard. Sometimes panic is okay. I mean, you walk into, you walk into the work tomorrow and they hand you a pink slip and said, you know, we're done with you. Uh, it's okay to panic for a moment. But don't let that panic continue. Push the pause button. Push the pause button. See what God has to say to you. You know what the definition of insanity is, right? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results <laughs> so if you've always panicked push the pause button because sometimes it's in the pausing that God can do his best work sometimes it's in the pausing that he can do his best work Psalm 38 14 says oh Lord do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your rage my guilt has overwhelmed me it is a burden too heavy to bear the issue in this verse is guilt, my guilt. The issue I've sinned, that's what happened. David felt guilty because he had messed up. He had failed big time. He knew he had messed up. He knew there was going to be tough consequences. But through his failure, he turned to God. And he said, God, grow me through this. God, teach me through this. And God reminded David that he wasn't through with him yet. One of the sayings that I ran across in study for this it really made sense. It said this, sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. Is that not a great phrase? Sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. You might want to write that down somewhere. As long as you learn from it, God can continue to use that failure. In fact, sometimes you can think of failure as a test. It's a test of your character, a test of your relationship with God, a test of, of who our identity is. Is it built around myself? Is it built around my stuff? Or is it built around my relationship with God? So it means that you press the pause button and you learn. And you keep asking yourself, what can I learn from this? What can I learn? It's, it's been through a bad breakup. Maybe you've just went through a divorce. Don't push the panic button. Jump right in and jump right into another relationship. Instead, press the pause button. Evaluate what just happened. 
What can I do differently? Focus on yourself, your relationship with God. And if you lost a job or your business went upside down or if you're struggling in school, don't keep doing the same thing over and over. Press pause. Ask God, why did I fail? And then listen and learn what He wants to teach you. Failing is not the problem. Staying down is the problem. Romans 8.28, a verse that gets overused or misused in a lot, of, a lot of ways, but really fits here. It says, and we know that God causes in us everything to work together for good. Now look what it says. It doesn't say that God causes everything. You're, you're, and if you believe that, you're going to get in trouble. God did not cause David's adultery with Bathsheba. David did. God did not call Uriah's death. Did not cause Uriah's death. David did. God doesn't cause anything because we live in this fallen world and it says God will, will, will cause everything to look at and I want you to look at these next words here. He says, he wants you to look at, he will work together. Those two words. He'll work together. Whatever cause happens, God's going to work together with those things to produce good in us. God, what are you trying to teach me, you might say? What's your purpose for me? Well, that leads me to number four. But let's review as we're getting ready to write down number four. To conquer the giant of failure, we have to deal with the emotions. It hurts when the giant of failure steps on us. Then we have to draw close to God instead of letting that giant push us away from God. Then we have to determine the cause. Why did this giant come? And God, what can I learn from it? How can you work your purposes through it? And then number four, decide to follow God's new plan for my life. Decide to follow God's new plan for my life. God loves to give new plans. He loves to give revised directions. And the truth is, most of us have a deep-seated fear of failing. We never even listen to God's voice. We just trudge on through and we say, by golly, I'm not going to fail. When it comes to God, as long as you have breath in your nostrils, remember there are no dead ends. Even if you make a big mistake and you get seriously off the path of, and outside of God's will, if you turn to God and you repent of those old ways, God will give you a brand new path. God loves healing hearts and giving fresh starts. God says, let me get you back on path. And I promise you, with God, no failure is permanent. Amen? He says, I still have a plan for you. You're still alive. I can still move you forward in faith. Look at Psalm 37. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never stumble. They will never fall. Why? For the Lord holds them by the hand. David had some major failures, but David stayed focused on God. and He said, God, from here on out, direct my paths. Direct my steps. After all that bad stuff happened, David put his shoes on. He went back into Jerusalem, and he began to be this king that God wanted him to be. Out of, out of a right relationship, he had a son named Solomon. David ha handed over the kingdom to Solomon, and Solomon took the dream that started with David and rebuilt the temple. This led to the greatest age in Israel's history, and in fact, Solomon learned from his dad's mistake as well, because look at what he said in Proverbs 24, 16, the godly may trip seven times. Now, he might have been referring to his dad there. He says, but they will get up again, but one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. So in other words, if you push away from God, that one disaster will keep you down. If you draw into God, He will get you back up. He'll get you back up. 
And so whatever failure you're facing right now, marriage failure, job failure, financial, it's not over. It's not final. It's, not, it's just temporary. It's not the end of the story. Your failure will not prevent you from being used by God. And there's one other example you can study when you get home. And I, and I almost put it in the famous failure study earlier. He was a military general. He was chosen as the hand successor to one of the greatest leaders in the Old Testament. But he experienced a huge failure in battle. He went through these emotions that, like we've been talking about. And he went through shock and fear and anger and blame and shame. And he was ready to give up. In fact, we pick it up at the story when General Joshua in Joshua chapter 7, he was, we find him face down on the ground. And here's what the Lord says to Joshua. Even though this great leader had just gone through a great failure, the Lord looks at Joshua and he says... Get up. Get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? God is saying to Joshua, get up. He's saying to you and me, get up. Don't stay on the ground. Don't lay down anymore. Get up. You can do this. You can do it. You can do it. And I believe with all of my heart God is calling this church to get up. Don't lay down. Get up. And see what God can do great through us. And that's my challenge today. My challenge for you and for me. For each of us is that we not let the past cripple us. The past paralyzes us, but we let the future be bright. And it can be if we'll hear the words of God to Joshua, get up, get up. Lord Jesus, we ask you this morning to touch the lives of the people here in this church. God, there may be somebody in this room this morning who just doesn't know you as their Savior. That's the unpardonable sin in life, is to go through life and never claim Jesus as our Savior. That's the un unpardonable sin. Because God, anything else we do, you're ready to forgive. That's what you say. Oh, we know there's the sin of unpardonable sin that's mentioned in Scripture in the book of Matthew. But yet, Father, I just don't believe there's very many people that get to that point. But they will get to that point if they never claim you as their personal Savior. So today, whatever life has thrown at us, whatever has got us on the ground, face down maybe, may we hear the words that you shared with Joshua and get up. And just get up. And if we'll get up, you'll be ready to meet us. In fact, the picture in scripture is that if we just turn to you and you see us in a distance you're not going to stand there and wait for us you're going to run to us you're going to run to us with arms open wide you're going to put the robe on us you're going to have a party because God we have done something we've come back to you whatever it is would you help us to get up claim you for the first time as our Lord and Savior Join a church. Be more what you want us to be. Whatever it is, God, would you move in us in Jesus' name. Amen. Song of invitation. God's having you respond, moving in your heart. Would you do it as we stand and sing together?